Well, before we read the scripture today, I want to ask you a question by way of introduction. I guess a few questions. Do you want to know what's God's will for your life? Do you want to be more pleasing to God? Are you discouraged and want help? Are you introspective to a fault and want to be able to look outside yourself? Are you in a dry season and you don't feel God's presence? Are you wanting to be more mature in the Christian life? I would guess almost everyone would say yes to one of those. If you're a Christian, you definitely would. And even some non-Christians would say yes to some of those questions. Now I'm going to ask another question. This is this might be the most important thing really that I say for someone. If I tell you, if I read you from the scriptures what the Bible says, are you going to listen? Do you want to do what God says no matter what it is? No matter how big or small? Or will you be like Naaman who came from another country and wanted to hear from God and then when he heard the word he decided I didn't want that word that's not the word I wanted or in Jeremiah they, they asked Jeremiah tell us whatever you want us to do whatever give us a word from God we'll do whatever he asks and his word was don't go to Egypt and they said we're going to Egypt I mean so here's my question to you before we even read this scripture do you want to listen to God Whatever whatever His Word says, even if it doesn't fit or suit your desires, are you willing to do what God says? Is Basically what I'm asking is, is this the very Word of God? Does it have authority over your life? Or is this just a time where we read some Scripture, we share some thoughts, and it has uh, it's up to you whether you want to incorporate it or not. It's not authoritative over you. Because if it's not, um, then if you if the answer to that question is, I'll wait and hear what you have to say first, then you probably don't really need to listen because it's God's word. And if you only pick and choose, then you're not treating it like it's God's word. All right, I'm going to read from Job chapter 1, just one verse. And then I'm going to read a few verses from Psalm 34. So if you want to have one finger there, I'll give you a second to turn there. All right, Job 1 verse 21 says, And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, And naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then Psalm 34, verses 1 to 3. 
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, where is it that we get our priorities? Do we get our priorities from our pastor, from Christian books, from whatever we feel like we're gifted in or whatever we think is important? Or do we get our priorities from the Bible? You know, these verses here are about praise, praising God. And how big a view does praise have in your view of the Christian life? Is it a small thing? Is it something you think about daily? Is it something you do in comparison to reading the Bible and prayer? Where does praise, praising God, where does it fit into your personal life? Think about the Bible. Think about the role praise has in the Bible. If you were going to give the marks of a true Christian, which Paul does in Philippians 3.3, what's the true circumcision? He says, Worship by the Spirit of God, put no confidence in, in the flesh, and glory in Christ Jesus. Two out of the three are about praising God and worshiping God. That's amazing. Uh, I would not have thought that. I would never have thought to do that. David in Psalm 39, he's about, he thinks he's going to die, and he's pleading with God. And what he says is, God, do not let me die. Don't let me die. Because if I die, this body's going to turn to dust, and that dust is not going to praise you. Think about that. So he's thinking about death, and his thought, the thought in his mind is, if I die, this body won't praise God like it is now. And I want you to keep me around, God, so I can praise you. That's the, he felt like it was such a big part of his life that that's the reason to keep on living. That's amazing. What would you do if you were in prison and you're writing a letter and you were going to say this, always blank. Paul says, always rejoice in the Lord. That's amazing. He's in prison in Rome and he's saying, always rejoice in the Lord. Don't forget that. Not only is he obviously praising God, he's exhorting the people. Don't forget to praise God. Don't forget to rejoice in the Lord. Not just sometimes, all the time. That's amazing. And so I'm going to give you the summary of my next, this sermon and Lord willing, next week's sermon. Um, And it's one sentence, and I'm going to try and say it enough times that you'll remember it between the next two weeks. And here's here's the sentence. Okay. I want to get it word perfect. Praise God with a Godward heart and an open hand. So what's the goal? The goal is that you and I would praise with a Godward heart and an open hand. And we're only going to cover half of that this week. And next week, Lord willing, the other half. But that's what these two texts, the reason I chose these two, is I think they show that clearly. I think you can see it from the text. A Godward heart and an open hand. And that leads to praise.
So what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to praise. You know, I kind of started out uh, very serious, and I bet you thought, he's going to ask me to do something difficult. He's going to give a hard message. Well, this is actually the most pleasant message I could ever think to give because of all the duties in the Christian life, I can't think of one that's so unmingled with sorrow as praise. It's so wonderful. You know, you study your Bible and there's, there's work involved and it's, there's confusing things and there's difficulty. It's wonderful, but there's some difficulty mixed in with the, with the diligence. You go out and you share the gospel and it's hard in a lot of different ways. There's joy in seeing some people receive, but it's hard when um, you see all these people rejecting. It's hard when they say you know, mean things to you. And in every other area, I can't hardly think of an area that doesn't have some sorrow, some difficulty mixed in, but praise seems to be almost completely pleasant. It's very, very wonderful to praise God. The most difficult part might be your circumstances and to praise in it, but as you praise, it's pleasant. The act of praise itself is pleasant. So I'm asking you to do something wonderful. I mean, what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to actually enjoy something. And not just a little bit. Enjoy it so much that it fills your heart and it flows out of your mouth in praise. That's a, that's a wonderful command. But it also makes it more sad when we fail to do it. And I chose two passages that I think in some ways challenge us in the fact that they have such difficult circumstances surrounding them. So Job just lost his family. He, he just lost his possessions, his livelihood. And what does he say? He says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The circumstances are very difficult, very hard. None of us here today are in the situation like Job. We may be in hard situations, but we're not. it's not that bad yet. And so if he can praise God, what about us? David, you know, it's interesting that these things, he's making a vow, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. But what had just happened, if you look at the little note above the psalm that says what, when it was written, it says, David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. So that's the time, if you remember, when David actually went in uh, to Gath and he acted like he was a crazy person and he had spit running down his face and he was jumping around and riding on the walls. And that's humiliating. I mean, when you read through First and Second Samuel, you do not come out of that thinking, wow, praise God. But that's what David thought. He was able to see this really bad decision on his part to go to Gath with the sword of Goliath in his hand because he had killed Goliath. Now he's got his sword and he's walking to where Goliath is from and he's expecting apparently to not be received uh, with some sort of like death threat. But for some reason he went there and then he has this humiliating idea. Basically, I'm just going to act like I'm crazy or they're going to kill me. And he does and the king basically says... Do I need another crazy person in this town? Get him out of here. And so he's on the run from Saul. Saul's seeking to kill him. And he's got no one. And he, all he can do to, is act like he's crazy. And if that's a situation where you feel like you can praise God, that's unbelievable. 
That's unbelievable. But it takes two things. And the two parts are a Godward heart and an open hand. And so in both cases, David saw that as from God. And he's praising God about it. He saw even though he made this bad decision, even though he went there and did this humiliating thing, he saw God's hand in it. And that's what he was praising. Job, he saw that even though all these things had happened, he knew God was in control, that God had given them, and that it was God in control that he could take them away. So he was seeing, he had a Godward heart, he was seeing God in all these things. If you can't see God, you can't praise God. So we've got to have a Godward heart in whatever circumstances, even the most difficult circumstances. And so to kind of illustrate that, I'm going to have Tom here play a clip from Darlene Rose. It's a short clip, but it's very, it's very, very challenging in terms of her heart. Think about these things here. A Godward heart and an open hand that leads to praise. And finally, when they would dismiss me after two or three hours or more, I would go back to that cell and the door would be open and I would go inside. And when I knew the guard was gone so that he could not hear me, I would throw myself out prostrate on the floor and I wept literally buckets of tears. And I would say, God, I just can't go through another one. I just can't. I said, you helped me. I know that. But I can't go through another one like that. When I had no more tears to cry, my Lord was there. I'd take the skirt of my dress and I would mop up all my tears because I didn't want the guard to see them. And then the Lord would say to me, my grace is sufficient for you, my child. It's not that it has been, not that it's going to be, but right now it is sufficient for you. And then I would begin to sing a song. The the music was put to a poem by Annie Johnson Flint. Just two weeks before I was brought down to this prison, the Lord laid it on my heart to memorize that poem. And I would say to myself at the end of the day when it was beginning to get dark, you need to sleep. And I said, no, I've got to memorize this. And then I knew why two of our associate missionaries had put it to music the poem called Peace and Grace. His grace, he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he added his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength is failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, then Father's full giving has only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. And I knew I could go through another one. And always my Lord was there to say, My child, my grace is still sufficient for you. And another one and another one. Until I was sentenced to be beheaded as an American spy. 
and they drew their fingers across their throat like this, he said, that is the penalty of spying in wartime. I was getting very thin when they found out that I had dysentery. They took me off of plain rice, and I got about two-thirds of a cup a day. That was all I was given. And uh, I can remember when the first plate of porridge came in. Of course, I never had a spoon or anything. I always had to eat with my hands. And uh, I uh, had learned how to eat rice with my fingers. I like to do that, just like the Indonesians do. You make a little ball, get your thumb behind it, and it's in your mouth. And um, that evening when he came in, it was always toward the end of the day, and um, he just was spin it across the floor to me if it spilled that was all right too and I could pick it off the floor but that evening I looked down over there and it was quite dark in the cell and I saw that there was something white on the top and I said oh joy somebody out there in that kitchen knows I just love fresh grated coconut And I picked it up, and when I picked it up and the light from the transom above the door fell on it, it wasn't coconut. There were maggots. And, um, of course, with the open tin, I have all these big flies in there, and they would always get onto my food, and I tried to get them off. And and, uh, I was pushing these worms up onto the side of the plate, and finally I lost the battle. And I said, if those flies can eat those worms, so can I. And I just made a funnel out of my hands because when I picked it up, it just went through my fingers. And so I made a funnel with my hands and I poured it into my mouth, worms and all. I'll tell you, with all honesty, I could bow my head over that plate of worms and rice porridge and give thanks to God. I knew I could have been there without anything at all. Why did I choose that? And why did I choose these texts? The reason is because when you meet someone with reality and you don't have it, it convicts you. And the first time I listened to that, I remember just crying and crying and telling God, God, she's more thankful for that bowl of worms than I am for the food I eat every single day. And I asked God to help me to praise Him more and to thank Him more and to be more thankful. And that's kind of what I hope we should feel when we see these texts of Job losing all his family and he's praising God. And I can honestly say that that testimony changed my life and I started praying something at mealtimes that I never prayed before. And I probably... Every once in a while I still pray it and probably prayed it a hundred times and ask God, Lord, please do not let me pray out of habit. I want to truly be thankful. And we could say that about more than just our meals. We could say that about almost everything in our life. And it's not just Darlene Rose. It's the people of God. It's Job, it's David, it's Paul. In prison. It's a mark of the people of God to be a praising people. And it's all over the Bible. And I want it to be a part of my life. And I want it to be a part of your life. And it is a pleasant thing. But it's also so convicting to me. 
So what are we going to do? What's the goal? The goal is praise. Praise. Who are we going to praise? Well, we're, we want a Godward heart. We want to see God and what's going on around us. We want to praise God. When? Continually. That's what David said here. He, he, he said he's going to praise the Lord continually. His, his praise is going to continually be in his mouth. How are we going to praise God continually? Well, one exhortation that I have that I think is helpful is because there's continually reminders to praise if we have a Godward heart. Praise is the goal. A Godward heart is the means. And if we see the reminders around us, if we're conscious of God, if we remember God, if we're walking in His presence, all different ways to say a Godward heart, there's always reasons to praise. And I'll give you a couple. I'm going to read two verses from Psalm 145 if you want to turn, put your finger there. Um, read those a couple times. But the first reason to praise God, the first continual reminder, is everything. Everything. Everything that's around you, everything that God ever created, is a reason to praise God. Anything that you see that's a creation of God is a reason to praise God. What that means is every day, all the time, if we have a Godward heart, if we have eyes to see, we're surrounded by reminders to praise God. Look at Psalm 145.10. All your works shall give thanks to you, and all your saints shall bless you. You know, all the works of God will give thanks. All the works of God are crying out how good God is, what He's done. It's a reminder. So what I'm asking you to do is, is, is wonderful, really. If, you, if it's real in our hearts, it's a wonderful thing to, to sit down to a meal and to actually feel joy in your heart, thankfulness to God, and to say, God, I'm so thankful for this food that You've given me. To lie down in your bed at night and to turn over to your wife and say, this, isn't this bed so comfortable? I'm so thankful for this bed and to praise God. To see your kids. I mean, think about it. Do you praise God every day for your kids? What a wonderful, what a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Not just to enjoy them. I'm sure you enjoy your kids every day. But to run that back up to the source which is God, not just to see the sunbeam, but to run back up the sunbeam to the source, to the sun, and to give thanks to God. I, I was going to give a list of a hundred things you could praise God for in a day, but I don't have time. And it was going to be awesome because I just went through the hundred best things in my day that are so wonderful, like coffee. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Coffee is wonderful. If, if you just enjoy coffee for coffee, that's okay. It is, the Bible says it's better to enjoy your life than to be miserable and to grumble all the time. But the better thing, the best thing is to remember God and to not just love the taste of coffee, but to love God. Spurgeon said this, We should not overemphasize temporal mercies and so become worldly. 
But I'm afraid there's a greater likelihood of our undervaluing them and becoming ungrateful. So what he's saying is this. If somebody's walking around with a face glowing and, and you say, what are you so happy about? And they say, I am so happy today because Vanessa Trammell gave us this uh, recipe for Caesar salad dressing and every single day I eat that and I think, man, this is so good. <laughs> and I praise God. You see, on the one hand, it seems worldly. You're, you're overflowing with joy over dressing. But on the other hand, if you actually run that back up to praise to God, isn't that right? Isn't that what you should be doing? It is. And to not do it is to be ungrateful. Ungrateful to God. What else? We could go on. Literally, I could give you 100 things just on that. All the things around you all day long that you should be praising God for, and I should be too. Trees, the sky, grass, air, food, a million, million things all around you. I was praising God the other day. You know, if you do this, you're going to praise God for something new every day. Probably for eternity. Because there's so many things and there's so much going on. I was just praising God for just having work to do that you can look back and and feel good about. That's That's a wonderful thing to have something productive to do. And then afterwards, when you're done, you, you can have joy in it. You, we just painted our house, and every time we pull up, I think, man, that looks good. That looks really good. And I feel real joy, and I thank God. God, thank you so much for work to do that we can take enjoyment in. Well, we've got to keep moving. Because not only is everything around you that's ever been created a reason to praise God, Everything that God has ever done is a reason to praise God. Psalm 145.17 The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. Everything God does is righteous, it's right, and it's good, and it's kind. So what does that mean? Everything God has ever done in history is a reason to praise God. If you can remember anything, whatever comes to your mind, that's a reason to praise God. Whatever you know about history, praise God for it. If you get up in the morning and you don't know what to praise God for, start in Genesis and try and remember any story you can and try and go all the way through the Bible and every single one that you remember, you can start praising God for it. You can praise God that He warned Cain. What a, what a good God to come to an angry man and to say, don't run into sin. That's a good God. What a good God to spare one family from the flood. What a good God to send Joseph ahead. What a good God to send the brother that was going to forgive the other brothers. He could have sent one of the other brothers. Maybe he could have sent a brother that wouldn't have forgiven the other brothers in the end. But he sent Joseph, and Joseph forgave him. Forgave them all. What a blessing. What a picture of Christ. You could go all the way. Moses, thank God for Moses. Thank God for Aaron. Thank God that he didn't come down off that mountain in the golden calf. He didn't leave it there. They crushed it up, and they threw it into the sea. Praise God that he crushed that, they crushed up that golden calf. I am so thankful that Israel did not go astray forever right there. 
That would have been horrible. Praise God. Praise God. You can go through the whole Bible. Praise God for anything. Praise God that the Nazis did not win World War II. Praise God for a thousand things in history. You, if you start doing it, you're going to realize history actually has a course. I mean, there's so many things that God stamped out. You know, the Bible says that God opposes evil. If you start making a list of all the wicked things that don't go on anymore that used to be basically universal, it's unbelievable. Human sacrifice, that's gone, basically. Praise God for that. The African slave trade, that's gone. Praise God. There are not ship after ship after ship after ship of slaves coming to America anymore like that. Our market is not built on slavery anymore. Praise God. There's a million things we could go on. But all I'm saying is this. If you can remember anything that God has ever done, you can know, even if you can't see the whole picture right now, you can know that that it's worthy of praise because God does what is righteous and all His ways are kind and all His works are good. Everything God has ever done is a reason to praise God. That's hours worth of praise right there just just for tomorrow. Okay, we'll keep going. Everything God will do, if all His ways are righteous and kind, everything God is going to do in the future is kind and good. We can praise God for tomorrow. We can praise God for eternity. We can praise God. You know, I was just thinking one thing. Think about this. Every single day for eternity, you're going to wake up And you're going to be able to say to God, I deserve to be in hell today, but I'm not. Praise you. Praise God that we're going to get to see Jesus Christ. Well, we could go on that for another hundred things that we know God is going to do in the future. All sickness, all death, every wrong ever committed righted. Praise God. Once you've done that, then you can probably do the hardest thing, which is praise God for everything He is doing. You know, the reason I put them in that order is because sometimes you need to praise God for all the past things He's done, praise God for all the future things He's going to do before you can really begin to praise God for what He's doing right now. Because it's hard when you're in the middle of it to praise God. But if you start there, you praise God, when you, you go back as far as you can think, and by the time you get to you, your faith will have increased, and you'll be, be able to say more easily, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to praise you that you're a good God, and you know, and I, I don't know what's best, but you do. I'm going to praise you for this inconvenience today, for this trial. I'm going to praise you for it, because all the things you do are kind. Well, we're not, not going to stop there. There's a lot more. Every person you ever meet is a reason to praise God. Every person. Every non-Christian you meet. There's something good that you can praise God for. There's common grace left in basically every person. You can praise God. If you can't find anything in that person to praise God for, praise God that He has spared them so far and He's still giving them an opportunity to repent. Praise God for all the ways He's provided for that person. How kind He's been to them. If they're here, they've been sustained by God. You can praise God. You can praise God for every non-Christian. You can praise them that... Praise, 
Praise God for them that they're in your life to remind you this world is not my home. I'm not the most important thing going on right now. There are needy people. And God, I praise you for that reminder. Praise you. You can praise God for every person if they're a Christian. Praise God that God actually saves people. Praise God that you know other Christians. Praise God for what He's done in their life. Praise God for what He's going to do in their life. Praise God for a thousand things. Whatever good thing you see in that Christian, praise God. What does that mean? That's every person. Every person you meet is either a non-Christian or a Christian. Praise God for them. Why do we... Why? Why Why praise? Why praise? You know, these, these things are all reminders to praise, but why? What's the reason? I've got a couple reasons, but one is it's right and it's good. It's right. It's the right thing to do to praise God. When you have received a good gift, it's right to be thankful. It's right. I look back on more as becoming a parent, I look back more and more on my childhood and I just think about what a horrible, ungrateful person I was toward my parents. It was wrong for me not to thank them every single day for all they did. And I don't want to be like that to God. I don't want to be like that as an adult. I want to praise God. It's right. It's the right thing to do. What else? It glorifies God. It takes the focus off you and it puts it on the real focus, God. Praise God because it lifts the right person up. Praise God because it's a, it's a pointer in the right direction for everyone, for you and for everyone around you. Pointer right to God. Remember God. Praise God because it pleases God. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16 say that we should continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And then it goes on to say that such sacrifices are pleasing to God. That's amazing. You know, it's a lie that only big name preachers can please God. It's a lie that you've got to be doing big things to please God. You know what can please God? You sit down at your table and you genuinely praise and thank God at your meals. Not just out of habit. You actually praise Him from your heart. That pleases God. You're at your job. You know, the devil will tell you what pleases God is whenever a lot of people are impacted and there's a big stir or something like that. Well, the problem is you start feeling like a failure because that doesn't happen very often. What does please God? You can just praise Him at your work. You can praise Him and God will look down and He'll be pleased. That's amazing. Praise God because it pleases God. Praise God because it's His will. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you don't know what God wants for you to do, praise Him. That's what He, told, that's what he said. The will of God for us is to praise God, to rejoice. If you're not sure what to do, praise God. Praise God. Notice all the continually there. Continually. Always. It's amazing. It's something we should be filling our lives with. It brings me to just a kind of side note here. Um, I think this is somewhat neglected. 
And one of the reasons I think that is because I was asking people, have you read any good books on worship or praise? And hardly anyone could even tell me a book. And the people that did were like, yeah, I think I heard, I think there's a book by so-and-so about this and that. And there's a couple that were, were good. There was one by Tozer that was really good, and the best one was one short book by Spurgeon. But just the fact that I couldn't walk into the book room, I couldn't find a book on praise, it shows there's something off, at least in my own life. Maybe, in, maybe it's just in our circles, I don't know. But I'd never even thought about looking for a book on praise. It wasn't a big, I didn't see it as a big part of my Christian life. I'd never read a book about it. I'd never thought, well, I think I'd like to sit down and read the Bible verses on praise. I never noticed what a big theme it was. But God wants it. God wants praise. Here's one for you. It helps bring your emotions in line with truth. If you're discouraged, if you're down, and you sit down and you ask God to help you to really praise Him, what happens is it brings you into reality. It brings you back into reality. The reality is God loves you. And there's a thousand things around you that you should be thankful for and that show you God's goodness towards you. It shows you how great and wonderful a God we have. And when that happens, when you start begin to actually praise, your emotions start to realign truth. And you don't feel so down about the one thing that you don't have right now. And you start to be, feel grateful for the things you do have. You, you begin to remember how good God is. Praise Him. It, and it brings those emotions out of line. You've made something big in your mind that isn't as big as it should be. You've elevated something or the devil's lying to you. And suddenly you begin to praise God in truth comes back in and it realigns your heart it's not a catch-all it's not going to fix every problem but it helps me it really helps me it helps me with my attitude to have the right attitude it brings god near praise brings god near psalm 89 has this interesting line in verses 15 and 16 it says blessed are the people who know the joyful shout who walk O Lord, in the light of your face, who exalt in your name all the day. So there's this three things. And in the middle is walking in the light of God's face all day. And before it is praise, and after it is praise. It says blessed. Blessed are the people who are praising God. Blessed. And then it goes on to say they're walking in the light of God's face. If you don't feel God's presence tomorrow morning when you get up and bend your knee and you start to pray to God and you you feel that He's not there, begin to praise Him for all the times He has been there. And it'll just kind of fade out. The feeling of God not being near today is overwhelmed by the feeling of gratefulness of an Almighty God coming near at all. It's amazing. Praise God. Praise God because it brings Him near. Praise God because it increases your faith. Do you think 
What do you think is going to happen to your faith if every day you get up and you begin to do these things all around you? There's reasons to praise God. You, you rehearse history in general. Rehearse your life history. All the things you have to praise God for in your own life up to this point. How He's led you. How He's protected you. Even when you fell, how He humbled you. It's going to increase your faith when you get to those things again. It reminds you of reality. And it helps. It helps to increase your faith. When your faith is weak, begin praising God for all the things you remember that He's done for you in the past. All the things you know He's going to do. We've got to have a Godward heart. A Godward heart. So here's my encouragement to you today. Everything around you is a reminder to praise God. <laughs> I, I'm pleading with you. It's not a silver bullet. It's not. But if you get up tomorrow and you say, I'm going to praise God because that's what God wants me to do and because that's good and right. And you ask God, give me a Godward heart today. I want to see you in the things around Around me, I want to I want to praise you when I meet these people. I want to I want to praise you even when I don't see what your plan is, God. If you do that, your life will be different. It'll be really different. Ask God to help you. Ask God to open your eyes so that all the things around you can be the sunbeam that brings you back to a reminder of the sun. Trace it back to God. Trace the things around you back to the Creator. Trace the mercies in your life back to the gift giver. I just want to say a word here to the lost. You know, this... I haven't really talked about an open hand yet. Lord willing, next week I'll... We'll look at these verses again and we'll focus on a different aspect, which is not the Godward heart, but the open hand. But I'm going to address it just a bit for the lost. You know, this thing of praising God with a Godward heart and an open hand, you know, that does not happen for the lost. Why? The lost don't have either one. If you're lost, you do not have a Godward heart. Why? Because all the things going on around you you know what they are? They're all about you. And so when you get something, it's not a gift from God. When you get something, it's something to spend on your own desires. And when you meet a person, it's not a person created by God. It's a person that maybe can give you some attention or some way you turn that person either useful or not useful to you and back on yourself. And instead of a heart that runs to God, it's always a heart running back to self, ingrowing on itself. How can this person make me happy? How can this person get me something I want? How can this person fulfill some need in me? And that does not lead to praise to God. The lost, if you know lost people that are so miserable, you can see this pathway in their life, it, this ingrown, self-centered misery. They can't praise God. They can't find joy in the things around them because it's all about them. It's too self-focused. 
And what else? They don't have an open hand. They don't have an open hand. You can't praise God if you're clinging to something and you, and you won't let go. I have to have this no matter what. Because when you don't have it, you can't praise. And that's what the lost have done. You know, If you're lost today, you've got something that you are so close-handed about. You will not let go of it. You're actually going to let it drag you to hell. I want people to like me so much, I'll go to hell rather than do what God wants me to do. I want uh, to have fun and just to uh, please myself so much that I'm going to go to hell rather than submit, open my hand and submit to God. It's very sad. And what it means is you're unable to praise God for all the mercies in your life because you've got one thing that you won't let go of, whether it's money, it could be anything. I don't know what it is for you, but if you're lost, you do have it. And whatever that thing that's keeping you from turning to God is that you've got in your hand you won't let go, that's actually stopping you from seeing how good God is and what blessings He's got for you. You can't fill your life with praise to God like that. And you know what the saddest part is? You know what the saddest part is? It's the cross. You're never going to praise God for Jesus Christ dying on the cross. It's the most wonderful thing that ever happened in all of history. But the cross calls you to open your hand and it calls you to look to God and away from self. And the cross calls you calls you to do the thing you don't want to do. It calls you to let that go. It calls you to stop centering your life on you and center it on God. That's the message of the cross. The message of the cross is that you're a sinner and that you can't fix yourself but that Jesus Christ is all you need. It's amazing that song that we sang. What was the song? I can't even remember what it was called, but it was Jesus is everything, everything in Him. That was quite a good summary, right, of a Godward heart. Somebody, could, somebody gave me that word perfect. Does anyone remember that? Everything in Jesus and Jesus in everything. Well, that's a Godward heart right there. When you see Jesus in everything, and why, what you enjoy in everything is Jesus. You're enjoying Jesus when you drink coffee. You're enjoying Jesus when you look back and you remember all the wicked things you did and you think, wow, praise God that He saved me. Praise God that He forgave me. The lost will never feel that. The lost can't take their eyes off themselves to look to the cross, to look to Christ. So here's my questions to you to close. Do you praise God? Do you praise God? Do you praise Him twice a day? Three times a day? Four times a day? Do you praise Him only in the morning and only at night? Or do you praise God all day long? It's possible. I mean, you can see this here. You can see the people in the Bible. 
You know, it wasn't that they were special people. It was that there's a God that helps. God came down and God helped these people to be different, to actually see him in the everyday. God can help the same God exists, same God is here today, can help you to praise God. Do you have a Godward heart? When you see things, is it just the bare minimum? You just see food as food. You just see people as people. You just see your house as a place to live, but you don't see them all as good things that God has made and gifts from God. There's a big difference. Do you have a Godward heart? I want I want this for us. I want it for me. I want it for you. For a lot of reasons. For a lot of different reasons. But surely the main reason is to glorify God, right? Let's pray together. Lord, Praise be to you that you gave us such a pleasant command just to praise you, to enjoy the things you've given us and just to give them back to you. That's a light burden, Lord. It's a light burden. We want, we, we're so thankful. We're so thankful to you. Thank you, Lord, that you're wanting to help us to do this, Lord. It's not our idea. You, you've said it in your word. I wouldn't have even thought of this we would, none of us would be here writing, writing down on our Bible today, help me to praise, or anything like that, if you didn't teach us, Lord. So we're looking to you for help. We're looking to you to help us to do it. Give us Godward hearts. Fill our lives with praise to you. Help us to do it. Lord, we want to be different. We want to press on. We don't want to neglect what you said. You're a good God. We praise you, Lord, for all of history. We praise you for all the things you've done in our life. We praise you for all the gifts you've given us. We praise you for this time of singing we just had. Special. The song seemed special, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the people that wrote the songs. Thank you for the meal we're going to eat. Thank you for fellowship, time for fellowship. We give all these things to you, Lord, and we ask it in your name. Amen.